This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Hurry, hurry, hurry to Monday Matinee on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. And welcome to Sonic Society Season 12, Episode 517. I'm Jack Ward wearing my fedora, wishing I had the bad habit of drinking scotch and smoking while typing out my cases. And I'm David Alt, who does have the bad habit of drinking scotch. <laughs> uh, Jack, you wouldn't be uh, you wouldn't be wishing that you were Rex Riveter Private Eye, were you? Well, funny you should mention that, David, because mm-hmm. tonight we've got the conclusion of The Case of the Poison Parakeet, as well as a good old-fashioned Gristmill episode, The Appointment Book, to round off the hour. Ooh. And... And it all happens right here on the Sonic Society. Tonight and every Monday night, Downstairs Entertainment, in association with David Boy Productions, presents... Rex Riveter, Private Eye. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the exciting conclusion of Rex Riveter, Private Eye in The Case of the Poison Parakeet. My name is Riveter, Rex Riveter, license number 698753, issued by the Police Department of Los Angeles. Occupation, private detective. I was hired by a college professor by the name of Finch to find out who killed a couple of birds in his classroom. Sure, the case was nonsense, but I figured a couple days R&R would suit me just fine. Unfortunately, things got a lot more complicated. Evelyn Lawrence, Finch's lab assistant, was found dead, and my client is the prime suspect. Before heading over to see the deceased apartment, I spoke to the lawyer down the hall from my office, whose name is Angelo Martin, probably short for Martinez. He says he'll go straight to Police HQ, and I should meet him there when I can. The only thing I found in Evelyn Lawrence's place was Professor Hoffman. Maybe there was something to the rumor he had been having an affair with the dead girl. Maybe not. I had been inside the new police headquarters building twice in as many days. Being on this end of the arrest didn't feel much better. The minute the elevator doors opened on the third floor, I could hear Burke preaching from across the room. 
is God's servant for your own good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear that sword in vain. For he is a servant of God, an adventurer who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Professor Finch and the mouthpiece I hired on his behalf walked toward me like the proverbial long-tailed cat in Sam Maloof's factory. Burke only gets louder. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for the conscience' sake. Romans chapter 13, verses 4 and 5. The vehement hand of justice will seek ye out, Professor. We will have the truth. Hello, Professor. And you, Riveter. I should have known you would be involved with this. I should have brought you all in on charges. Mr. Riveter, I cannot tell you how thankful I am to see you. Forget it, Professor. You hired me to solve a murder. That's what I'm going to do. This isn't over. We may not have enough to hold you on now, Finch. But don't you worry, sir. I see Mr. Martin here was able to drag you out from the pits of hell. Yes, I'm grateful for... Who was that? Lieutenant Burke, Counselor. He couldn't afford a big enough hat to be on the real squad. But don't tell him that. Coroner's report's on my desk, even as we speak. The real squad? hat squad. Read a paper. Don't let his bluster scare you off. His bite is worse than his bark. Is that supposed to make me feel better? Not in the least. How did you get Finch out so quickly? Bartlett Finch. Professor Percival Percival Bartlett Bartlett Finch. Finch. It's hyphenated. I remember. So how did you get my client out so quick? Oh, it wasn't that difficult. Page 23 of the Times. The Autobahn Society had an event Monday night that the professor attended. Look, you can see him in this photo. There in the back. We discussed a children's book to introduce the youth of this country. You got an alibi? How did you find this? Mr. Riveter, this is what I do. But I still don't relish the thought of going up against Lieutenant Burke again anytime soon. I might have to raise my fee. Um, about that. Oh, don't worry, Rex. May I call you Rex? You look after the professor. This first one is on me. I take the shyster's advice and put the professor in a yellow cab before heading back to my office to see if Jenny has any word from the coroner. Finch isn't out of the woods yet. Hiya, boss. You're in a chipper mood, Angel. Any word from Margie? Yes. She called about ten minutes after you left. Things don't look good for the bird man. Apparently the cops think they found a murder weapon in the professor's lab, and the coroner is in the process of checking that against the stab wounds. She's pretty sure it's a match. She's sending the report on what they have so far to me. I thought you were the delivery guy. As if on cue, there's a knock on the door. It's the courier bringing the coroner's report. It's not complete, but there's enough to get the general idea. I send Jenny down to Schneider's Deli for a couple of pastrami sandwiches while I look over the paperwork. I haven't eaten all day and my head is starting to pound. Mixed in with the Latin medical terms and an outlying drawing of a human body is a possible death sentence for my client. Sure, the evidence is circumstantial, but the Los Angeles Police Department isn't particularly fond of jigsaw puzzles. The suspect doesn't fit the evidence. Leave out the evidence. It's simple. It gets good press and the average voter can go about his average day without worrying about the boogeyman. It's an unspoken agreement in a civilized town like Los Angeles. If you start digging into how the cops do their job, you might have to abandon the idea that they don't make mistakes. 
If you start thinking they're fallible, you begin to wonder if there's more at stake here than just upholding the law. Maybe there's an agenda that we don't get to see. Maybe it's not as much about law and order as it is about political agendas and getting the right people in the right positions. Pretty soon the whole world is topsy-turvy. Apples start falling up and cats start chasing dogs. The system falls apart at the Q and John Q. Public stands for questions. Don't get me wrong. Most of the Flatfoots I met walking the beat are there because they want to make a difference. They join the force because they think it's all on the up and up. Who knows? Maybe years of going to work wondering if this is the day you take a lead bath makes you want more than just a watch after 25 years. Maybe you see all of the bad around you and wonder how the little guy can ever get ahead with so much working against him. Maybe when you look in the dark long enough, your eyes start to adjust. Maybe it doesn't all seem so dark after all. Pretty soon, maybe you become one of the shadows that everyone else is running from. But none of this is helping. Sometimes when I get hungry, I tend to wax philosophical. There's something about a hot pastrami sandwich that makes the world slow down just a bit. I find that whenever I run up against a problem I can't solve, there's two things that can get the brain working. A pastrami sandwich or a visit to the pie shop. It's strange sometimes how something so innocent can blow a case wide open. We should have eaten in my office. Out there? I can't have a potential client walk in and see us chowing down. I have an image to protect. Oh, some image. Besides, that's why man invented locks, boss. What's the matter with eating in my office, Angel? It still smells like ammonia in here. I think I used too much when I was cleaning up yesterday. You should open a window. I can't smell it. Maybe that's what's giving me a headache. Well, I have an excellent sense of smell. Ever since I was a little girl, ammonia sets me off. Oh, my kid sister was always bugging our folks about pets. We had cats and dogs, fish. We had these birds one time that... Is this going to be a long story? It's rude to interrupt, Mr. Riveter. And no. I was just saying that we had these birds, and one time we were doing some spring cleaning, and Antoinette spilled some ammonia... Antoinette? My sister. I've told you about her. Anyway... Antoinette accidentally spilled some cleaner with ammonia in it. A lot of ammonia. It was the one in the ads that has the bottle with the arms and legs on it. Oh, what is the name of that one? Oh, you know the one. Anyway, she then tried to clean it up, but I guess it got to the birds. They got pretty sick and died a couple of days later. At least we assume... Wait, what did you say? My sister spilled a bunch of ammonia, and since then... No, about the birds. What? Oh, nothing. Oh, Antoinette was so upset she cried for days. The birds died. They did. Haven't you been listening? From the ammonia, of course. Oh, yeah, I guess there's something in it that... That's why the lab smelled like that. What? Angel, I could kiss you. What? Get Lieutenant Burke on the horn. Have him pick up Finch, Simon Hoffman, and the kid, Eugene. And have him meet me at Finch's office. Tell him I know who murdered Evelyn Lawrence. You do? You bet. And I can prove it. Thanks to you. Me? Oh, wait, where are you going? On my way to the university, but I have a stop to make first. Huh. Well, what do you know? I solved the case. Hi, this is Dave Rebus from Davy Boy Productions. I would like to talk to you for a minute on behalf of Downstairs Entertainment. 
we would like to thank you for listening. We're only a few episodes into our season and we are thrilled with the extraordinary response we've received from you already. It is our intent to continue bringing you quality audio entertainment. If you're enjoying the show, please keep listening and tell your friends. Share the episodes on Facebook and tweet about us. Help us get the word out about the program. We would also love it if you left us a review on iTunes. Your reviews are what boosts our visibility, which brings us more listeners, which allows us to continue providing quality audio entertainment to you, our fans. You can contact Downstairs Entertainment on Facebook. Email us at admin at dsentertain.com or call us at 619-385-9961. That number again is 619-385-9961. We have some exciting things coming up this season in Rex Riveter, and we can't wait to share them with you. Thanks again for listening. We love our loyal fans. And now, back to the show. And now, for the exciting conclusion of Rex Riveter, Private Eye, in The Case of the Poison Parakeet. I had to hightail it to the university. I needed to check on a few things before my guests arrived. Finch hired me to find out who killed his birds. I thought it was a fluff case. No offense, Professor. Offense taken, Mr. Riveter. Those birds are people, too. Well, you know what I mean. And it's Bartlett Finch. Professor Percival... Damn it, Finch! Get to the point, Riveter. I've got half a mind to arrest you along with the professor as an accessory after the fact. I don't care what the time says. Bear with me, Inspector. Evelyn Lawrence was last seen Monday night, here in this lab. Is that correct? That's what we have. Finch's testimony is corroborated by several witnesses. Right. But she wasn't alone. She was working with you, Professor Hoffman. Isn't that right? Even if that were true, it does not prove anything. Working with? Why would she be working with... Evie had been working with Hoffman for quite some time. Months, in fact. Isn't that right, Hoffman? I have no comment. That is why she ended things with Eugene here. She couldn't bear the idea of lying to him anymore. Eugene thought they were having an affair, along with most of the faculty and students. You thought that's why she broke it off. But I found evidence to the contrary. What evidence? These. What is this? It's a bunch of chicken scratch. That's what I thought at first. And then I noticed something at the bottom of the last page. The number 138. What is it? It corresponds to a test that Professor Hoffman ran. The remains of which are inside the refrigerator. Over there. What? Let me see that. Not just yet, Professor. I think... L.A.'s finest might want to take a peek in your icebox. What in the Lord's name? What kind of ghoul keeps this... What are these, Hoffman? Do not touch that! That is all part of my research. The part that isn't going well, I'd wager. Cut to the chase, Riveter. We 
What do these sideshow displays have to do with the murder? I'm glad you asked, Inspector. Lieutenant! I'm glad you asked, Inspector Lieutenant. The handwriting on those notes matches the handwriting on the outside of those experiments. It belongs to Evelyn Lawrence, proving she was working with Hoffman. I told you this afternoon she was working with me. That is not news, nor is it any indication that I had anything to do with her murder. But... I just don't no, get why... the fact that she was working with you isn't the evidence. The evidence is in her notes. Professor Finch? Bartlett, Bartlett Finch. Finch. Before she started working with Hoffman, Evie Lawrence was your assistant, correct? Yes, that is correct. I imagine you two work closely together. Do you think you could uh, decipher these notes? Yes, I suppose I could. Would you mind? <sighs> Interesting. Mm. Out loud, Professor? Oh, of course. It seems that Professor Hoffman has been conducting experiments on a drug called thalidomide. That is all part of my research. Any and all notes belong to the university. Shut up! When the committee chairs hear about... I said shut up! You have my permission to shoot him. You too, Riveter. There are always some small side effects to introducing a new chemical into a system. Uh, normally... Apparently, so- there were several cases of side effects of the drug. These abominations in the cooler? No. Inspector, the test animals showed no ill effect. Those abominations, as you call them, are the offspring. Quiet! Ms. Lawrence detailed several cases where the animals' litters were born with mutated appendages. In English, please. Flippers, Inspector. Like in the jars. Instead of feet, they had flippers. Lies! It's all lies! She was going to rat you out, wasn't she, Hoffman? That's why you killed her. I didn't kill her! Sure you did. She told you she was going to publish her findings and you killed her right here in this room. You went into a mad rage and you stabbed her 17 times with one of the scalpels. When you realized what you had done, you wrapped her up and took her to her apartment. But not before cleaning up the mess here. You can't prove that! You used ammonia to clean up the blood. Lots of it, I'd imagine. That's what killed the birds. Ammonia? Sure, Inspector. There's no windows in here, so no circulation. That much ammonia would kill a bird in no time. Isn't that right, Finch? Bart... Yes. Yes, I, I suppose it would. The place still reeks of it. You... you you can't... This, this will ruin me! All the money. All the notoriety. It was all coming to an end, wasn't it, Professor? Right before your eyes. It will ruin me! <laughs> my, my reputation! I bet some drug company would have paid a fortune for your research if you could only hide the anomaly. You can't! Careful, Riveter! Look out! Good heavens! Hey, what's that in Hoffman's hand? He's got a scalpel! Oh my! Was Professor Finch hurt? How? He was over here with me! He wasn't hurt. He fainted again. You all right, Riveter? Right as rain. I guess Hoffman couldn't take a punch. Cuff him, Jeffrey. (laughs) As the boys in blue cart Hoffman off, Lieutenant Burke has a few more questions for me. Eugene and Finch join us, and in the back of my head, a voice screams at me, saying I should leave well enough alone. Remind me to listen to that voice next time. All right, Riveter, that wasn't bad work. I will give you that. When did you put it all together? It was... 
bits and pieces, really. The dead birds, the rumors of Hoffman's affair with Evie, the handwriting on the glass jars in the cooler that matched the notes from her apartment. Yes, where did you get those? Behind the picture of you and Evie. She kept it on her dresser. That's what tipped me off that it was more than an affair that caused her death. Why? A woman having an affair wouldn't have kept your picture out in the open. Huh. Maybe that's why she broke it off. She knew that there was something hinky about Professor Hoffman's research, but couldn't put her finger on it, so she went undercover. But why break it off with me? Dames are funny sometimes. Would it help if you knew she was still in love with your son? got a promising career ahead of you, I'd imagine. She probably didn't want you to get involved in something sordid like this. I don't know what to say. Eugene excuses himself from the group. And the next time I look up, he's gone. It'll take a while for him to get over his first love. I'd like to think he finds some happiness. Eventually. We had it figured the murder didn't occur at Lawrence's apartment. But there was no sign of a struggle or blood splatter in the lab. The birds were a nice touch. The smell of ammonia was the final piece of the puzzle. And with all those scraps, you put it all together. Good detective work. You guessed, didn't you? I'll never tell. And now the real effort begins. You see, Riveter, police work isn't just about solving the case. It's also about keeping your superiors happy and working with the public to protect the image of the department. Well, I can't do everything for you. This isn't going to look good. We already brought in one professor for questioning. Now we have to let him walk and arrest another? No, it's not going to look good at all. Supposing it was all part of your plan. Plan? There's that voice again, telling me to stow it. But I'm on a roll now. Sure. You arrested Finch to flesh out the real killer. You figured if he thought you had the culprit, he'd relax. Slip up somehow. After all... You're dealing with an educated man with more degrees than a thermometer. He's not your run-of-the-mill killer. You had to approach things differently. Right. We had to show him that we could outsmart him. Burke was catching on. So you clued me into what you were doing, and I went along. Now hold on a minute there, I was happy to help the police department protect the innocent citizens of this fine city. So now we know what you get out of it. We're killing two birds with one stone. The sun begins to set on the City of Angels. Another case is behind me and I'm feeling pretty good. The next morning the Times reads, Cops arrest professor for student murder. I skim the article and find my name. It's towards the end. Almost as a afterthought. But it's in there. That should be good for business. Jenny can cut that one out and add it to her scrapbook. Tonight's episode of Rex Riveter Private Eye stars Randy Cool and Rhiannon McAfee, featuring Nick Young and Dave Rivas. Guest starring Dave Hibbler, James Steinberg, and Joe Feheran. 
Tonight's episode was written by Greg McAfee and is transcribed in San Diego, California. It is produced by Downstairs Entertainment with recording, sound, and editing by Davy Boy Productions. The Rex Riveter theme, Nightmare, by the Artie Shaw Orchestra is used by permission of Music Sales Corp. Rex Riveter is directed by Rhiannon McAfee with vocal sound and technical direction by Dave Rivas. And if you enjoyed tonight's episode, please find us on the internet at www.dsentertain.com or on the Facebook or the Twitter. Tonight's episode of Rex Riveter Private Detective is brought to you in part by Davy Boy Productions. For sound design, private voiceover workshops, or to consult with voiceover recording artist Dave Revis about your project, visit www.davyboyproductions.com. And be sure to join us next Monday night, same time and place, for the case of Triple Indemnity. For Downstairs Entertainment, this is Greg McAfee speaking. death, we are set upon the path that leads us to our final destination. For some, this path leads into the light. But for the wretched souls who descend down into the darkness, their path leads them here, the Gristmill. where pain begins and never ends. Would you like to be able to control the future? You may be able to if you find the right objects to use. The most common of objects may hold the most uncommon of powers. And so we give you the appointment book. I am Inspector 12, and this is the Grismill. If I'd found it, would I still be looking around the freaking apartment? Jeez, why did I ever marry that idiot? I, I was wondering that myself. Yeah, it must have been for your great body. Sure as hell wasn't for your intelligent conversation. I'm not the one who lost his appointment book. <laughs> I told you never to talk back to me. I'm sorry. I was just trying... You know, that's your whole problem, Rachel. You just try. You never do. You try to cook. You try to clean. But you never do either of those things. That's the difference between the two of us. You're a trier. I'm a doer. 
That's why I'm up for promotion and you're a housewife. But I thought you wanted me to stay at home. I thought this is what we'd planned. Your parents wanted this. I promised them I'd take care of you. And we all know you haven't made the best decisions in your life. Take that former boyfriend of yours. That one who was was a, a bartender. Ralph? Yeah, Ralph. He was trying to be a writer, wasn't he? Yes. See, that's what I'm saying. He was trying to be a writer. Now, where is he now? Exactly. I'm a doer, and I make over $100,000 a year working for the ad agency, which allows you to live in this spacious apartment. Now, speaking of the agency, if I don't leave, I'm going to be late. And I can't afford that with my promotion on the line. Now, where's my briefcase? Next to the front door. Now, while I'm gone, I want you to find that appointment book. I'll try. Damn it! Didn't you listen to a single thing I just told you? Find it! Hello? Did you find the appointment book? Not yet. Why not? What the hell have you been doing all day? Watching television? No, I've been looking all over the place for it. Are you sure you even brought it home? Are you talking back to me again? If you are, you'll be sorry the moment I get home. You understand me? Yes, death. Well, call me the second you find it. <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> I'm living in hell and there's nothing I can do about it. I had my chance with Ralph. And I threw it away. All because of what my parents wanted for me. Security. Money isn't everything. It can't be. Today on Good Morning Chicago, we have local author Ralph Bonaventure. Mr. Bonaventure has recently set Hollywood buzzing with the news his two scripts have started a vicious bidding war and rumors of Academy Award nominations. Mr. Bonaventure, welcome to the show. Oh my God, Ralph. Hello? Rachel, it's your mother. Mother, I'm kind of busy right now. I'm sure you are. I just called to tell you to turn on Good Morning Chicago. You'll never guess who's on the show. I know, Mother. It's Ralph. I'm watching it right now. I'll call you back later. To what do you credit your phenomenal success, Mr. Bonaventure? It all comes from love. Love? Love for what you do. I love writing. I love movies. It was only natural that I write movies. So I worked hard, and now, here I am, doing what I love and getting paid a great deal of money for it. And what about love in your everyday life? Right now, I'm a bachelor. I just haven't had time for a social life. Besides, I was in love once. I just don't believe there's much of a chance of that kind of love occurring twice in my lifetime. Perhaps I'm wrong, but at this point in my life, I'm content with just being a screenwriter. Thank you for being with us today, Mr. Bonaventure. Would you mind returning after the Academy Awards to let us know what your next project is? I'd be more than happy to. Information, may I help you? 
I'd like the phone number for the Good Morning Chicago studios in Chicago, Illinois. Would you like the number or immediately connect me? Connect me, please. Please hold. Is this Rachel Ingalls? Ralph? Is it really you? Yes, it's me. I never expected to hear from you. How have you been? I... I... Are you free for lunch? I'll be in Chicago overnight, and then it's off to St. Louis for another television appearance. I don't know when I'll be back in town, and it'd be great to see you again. I'm married now. Okay, but you still eat lunch, don't you? Yes. We could, um, we could talk about old times. Sure. It'd be wonderful just to talk with someone who wasn't sitting in front of a microphone for a change. How's the Castle Deli sound? They have a great outdoor patio, and it's supposed to be a beautiful summer day. That sounds wonderful. I have an errand to run. How does 1.30 sound? Sounds great. I look forward to seeing you, Rach. 1.30, then. Ralph, it's good to know your dreams come true. I really am happy for you. Rachel! Rachel, over here! I was beginning to think you weren't coming. It's nearly two o'clock. I... I didn't know for sure that I would come. I really shouldn't be doing this, Ralph. I'm a married woman. You're right. Imagine the scandal if someone were to find out that you and I ate lunch together. We'd never be able to hold our heads up in polite society again. People would always point at us and stare and say, Look, there goes the two lunch eaters. Don't let your children stand too close to them. <laughs> that sounds more like the Rachel I know. Well, I'm not. There have been a lot of changes in my life. From where I sit, you look even more beautiful today than you did the day when you, uh, you know. <laughs> it's wonderful for you to say so, but I'm sure it's not true. It is true. You should see yourself through my eyes been a long time since anyone, any man has spoken to me that way. But I'm sure you don't want to hear about my problems. Besides, I want to hear all about you and how you sold your scripts. Are you sure, Rachel? I don't mind. Your happiness always came first with me. Ralph, please, don't worry about me. I'll be fine. Now I want to hear about you. Well, that's not going to happen. I know there's something wrong in your life. You never used to wear heavy makeup. What are you trying to cover? Nothing. Methinks the lady doth answer too quickly. Tell me the truth. He beats you, doesn't he? Yes. But only when he's on edge. He's all right when things are running smoothly. It's just that he's been under a lot of pressure lately. He's up for promotion and I don't... Do you hear yourself? You're making excuses for this loser. He's not a loser. He makes over $150,000 a year. Oh, and we know how important that is. You know money never meant anything to me. I know. It was important to your parents. They wanted you hooked up with a guy who would take care of you financially. To them, that was success. Never mind how he treated you as long as the billfold was always full. That's not fair. Isn't it? Am I wrong? When we were dating, I could see how your parents looked at me whenever I mentioned my writing. By the way, what do they think now? My mother called this morning to tell me to watch you on television. I don't know what she thought. Well, let them know. Never mind. I promised myself I'd never be petty. Rachel, 
How much do you really want to end this problem? You can't be. You can't be saying what I think you're saying. Huh? What? No, God no. You didn't think I meant having bumped off, did you? <laughs> For crying out loud, Rachel. Do you think success has changed me that much? No, of course not. Well, I, I didn't know for sure. I'm getting so desperate. I don't know what he'll be capable of next. You could come away with me. He'd follow me. You don't know this man. He doesn't like to lose at anything. Rach, if I were to tell you something unbelievable, would you believe me? What is it? I can show you how to change your life. I can show you how I changed mine. But you're not going to find it easy to believe. Go on. When you broke up with me three years ago, I didn't know what to do. I buried myself in my writing. I sold a short story here and there, but nothing noteworthy. I had two screenplays. They were slowly being rejected by every agent in California. Then, I found the curio shop. And? It was a little antique shop like the ones we used to go to when we were together. I found it on clock near Fullerton Street here in Chicago. I was looking for old copies of Police Blotter magazine. You know, for my collection. <laughs> I can't believe you still collect those things. <laughs> I told you those lousy stories help encourage me to keep writing. But I found something in that curio shop that completely eclipsed my entire magazine collection. What was it? Wait. You have to hear about the shop. I'd never seen it before. I've been in that area dozens of times. I've been to all the stores along those two streets. I know them forward and backward. And Rachel, I swear to you, I'd never seen this place before in my life. Maybe it had just opened. If you'd seen the shop, you'd never say that. It looked as if it had been there for years. And there was a reason I'd never seen it before. What was that? Because it had never been there before. It had to be a new shop. But it didn't look like a new shop. What was it like? Inside, the place was poorly lit. I figured they might be trying to scam people into buying inferior material by keeping the lights low, you know? Anyway, I went in and started looking around. Did you find anything? Yes. I found even more strangeness. The moment I walked into the store, the sole employee, a little old man, looked at me and said, You're a writer. How did he know? I don't know. At first I thought he was talking to someone else. But there was no one else in the shop. And he wouldn't tell me how he knew it when I asked him. All he did was walk to the shelf, take something off, and motion back to the counter. He put the thing in a bag and handed it to me. What was it? It's something that'll bring you success with your writing. Or at least that's what the old man told me. What was it? It was an appointment book. What is it? What's wrong? Nothing. Go ahead with the story. How can an appointment book help you with your writing? The old man told me I could plan out the rest of my life with it. But there were some rules I had to follow. I had to promise never to return to the shop, no matter what happened. If I had good luck with the appointment book, great. But if the luck was sour, too bad. I made the promise, and the old man told me that whatever I wrote in the appointment book would come true. 
And that's how you became a successful screenwriter. Well, I'd like to think it was my talent, but I don't know. I wrote a few things in the appointment book, and the next thing I know, Hollywood is knocking down my door. But there were some stipulations. I had to write clear and concise requests. Anything that could be interpreted in more than one way could prove dangerous. Okay, okay, I've heard enough, Ralph. I'm sorry I dumped you three years ago, but this is cruel. Playing this kind of a trick on me. I know I'm gullible, but I can't possibly believe... I'm not making it up. I have the appointment book right here in my jacket pocket. I'll prove it to you. <laughs> That's it. It's an old brown appointment book. <laughs> I thought... I thought... I don't know what I thought. You thought it would somehow look... Magical? Well, yeah. If I'm going to believe this nonsense, I guess maybe I did. I thought there'd be something distinctive about it. It took me some getting used to. Let me see it. Here. You're telling me you can write the word bestseller in your appointment book, and when the day arrives, you sell a best-selling book? No. Good. Because I'd have to call the men in white coats and make a reservation for a suite at the How Weird Johnson's. Actually, I should have said not exactly. You have to be more specific. You can't just write the word bestseller on a date. The appointment book might think I intend to buy a bestseller. <laughs> You're crazy. Am not. Want me to prove it? Don't you think you have to? Let me have the book back. Here. Take a look at this. That doesn't prove a thing, Ralph. All it says is we agreed to have lunch today. Fine. It's almost 2.30. The, the appointment calendar days are divided into 15 minutes. I can pinpoint the exact time I want something to happen. What would you like to happen at 2.30? How about world peace? Okay. But remember, you have to be precise. How do you want peace to be brought about? A nuclear war could wipe out all of life on the planet and bring peace or plague, or perhaps history is altered and mankind never evolves at all. I see what you mean. Should I stick to something simple? Yes, that would be much safer. How about we get the waitress to drop a customer's order? Fine. And then she can get fired and her husband will leave her and her children will have to go hungry and... All right, I get it, I get it. What should I write? Stick to something you want to happen to you. Something small, something simple. Unimportant. So no lottery winnings or free trips to Bermuda? Right. Then how about I find a dollar bill? Sounds good. I'll just pencil in, Rachel finds a dollar bill in the 2.30 spot for this afternoon. Now what? Well, it's not going to fall from the sky. At least, I don't think it will. Well, let's have a look around then, shall we? Oh. My. God. Find something under the table, Rachel? You! You dropped this under the table, didn't you? How could I know what you'd choose? All right, fine. I can see how this thing helped you, but how can it possibly work for me? Can't turn back time, can it? No, but it can change your future. What are you saying? I'm giving the appointment book to you. You can't. You need it. I don't. At least not anymore. You take it. I want you to use it to change your life. Make it better. But I can't. I don't... I don't know. Do what you have to with the book. 
Just remember to be precise. Use simple, clear language. Focus what you want to happen on exact targets. If it works, what then? Then be happy. Now dry your eyes and let's order something for lunch before it's dinner time. Still two hours before Jeff gets home. I'll just have time to get dinner ready. He should be happy with the steak I bought. Maybe a nice filling meal of steak and baked potatoes will make him feel... Make him... <laughs> Change your life, Ralph told me. Could the appointment book really help me? Could it really be that simple? If I'm going to do something, I've got to do it soon. No, now. Where's that appointment book? Ah, here it is. Where do I start? Well, no time like the present. I'll start with today. But what should I change? I know. This whole life isn't my fault. But I'll take the responsibility of changing it. And I'll change it at the source. Jeff, you're home early. I thought you were going to be late. What's wrong? Rachel, I'm sick. Look at my hands. Oh my god. They're covered in blisters. What is that? A rash? Yeah, but I, I don't I don't know what could be causing it. I mean, no one else in the office has anything like this. Is anything else wrong? Uh, it kind of hurts when I breathe. You know, my eyes are burning. I, I think I got a fever. You should go see a doctor. But maybe in the morning if I'm not any better. Why don't you go take a nap and I'll wake you when dinner is ready. <sighs> I'm going to wrap my hands in gauze first. All right, let me know if there's anything else you need. Right now, I just want to be left alone. Would you like me to make you a... I said I just want to be left alone. Is that too much to ask for? No. Good. Check on me when dinner's ready. I will. That rash turned out better than I thought. Now, what can I write for Jeff to succumb to next? Can't have him sleep late again. Not with the new alarm clock. How about a flat tire? Yeah, that sounds good. And for tonight, a blinding headache. That way I can enjoy my dinner alone. I'll have the rash disappear. But after lunch tomorrow, I think some projectile vomiting would make a good impression on his co-workers. Then on the way home, the car will run out of gas, and while he's walking to the nearest gas station... What the hell are you doing? Jeff! I... I thought you were sleeping. I couldn't get comfortable. Now, what are you up to? Give that back to me! What is this? It's an appointment book. Jeff doesn't get the promotion. Jeff oversleeps. Jeff gets a horrible rash. What is this? Some kind of sick diary of all the problems I've had lately? It's... Uh, What's this mean? Jeff's late for work because of a flat tire on the car? It's dated tomorrow morning. 
Anything I write in that appointment book comes true. I'm sick and tired of the way you treat me, and I'm not going to take it anymore. You actually trying to make me believe you're causing this rash and all the other crap that's happened to me lately by writing in this appointment book? Answer me! Yes. If this is true, this can't be true. I'd be living in the twilight zone if it wouldn't happen. You're crazy, that's what you are, crazy. This book has a blinding headache scheduled in the next few minutes. I guess we'll know which one of us is crazy. When that time comes, I... Jeez! God, God, my head! What the hell did you do to me? It's the book, whatever I write comes true. That was you! All along, it was you! You used this book to ruin my chances at a promotion, didn't you? I'll... I'll kill you! I'll kill you for what you've done to me! Jeff! Jeff, what are you doing with that knife? I'm gonna do what I should have done a long time ago! I'm sick to death of you, Rachel! You've done nothing but hold me back! I'm finally gonna remove the last obstacle in my way! You! Please, Jeff! Please don't You and your miserable appointment book! You think you can stop me with this thing? Here, take it! Make me stop! Don't make me, Jeff. I don't want to have to do this, please. Please, Jeff! Go ahead! <laughs> you must take me for a complete idiot! There's nothing in that damn book that isn't more than simple subconscious suggestion. Nothing more! Go ahead and try and stop me. It's your only chance, because I'm going to kill you. <laughs> there. You wanted this. It's done. You'll never threaten me again, you bastard. What? What's happening to me? I, I can't control my hand. You're doing this. Stop it, Rachel. Stop it. The knife! I can't stop my throat! Cutting my throat! I can't stop! <laughs> <laughs> you made me do this, Jeff! You did it! <laughs> Hello? Police department? I mean, how my husband, my husband just killed himself without me, Has the jury reached a verdict? Yes, we have, Your Honor. What say you? In the matter of murder in the first degree, we find the defendant, Rachel Peterson, not guilty. Rachel Peterson? You have been found not guilty by a jury of your peers. You are free to go. Oh, Ralph. Thank you. Thank you so much. For everything. You did what you had to do. I know that. I'm just glad the appointment book was able to help. Oh, it helped. It helped in every way. Right down to the verdict you just heard.
It seems our friend Jeff wasn't the master of his own fate after all. So it is fitting that his final appointment is here with us, where his schedule consists of only one item, screening in pain, scheduled until further notice. The appointment book was written by Bob Medea and starred Kimberly Forbes, Doug Weeks, Steve Vitello, Wayne Brobman, Susan DeBerardinas, Don DeMay, Amy Trahan, and Bob Medea. Production was by Scott Hickey. I leave you now with a final thought. For some people, the future looks bright. For others, it looks unclear. For those of you who feel the need to inflict pain on others, your future is certain to be here with us. Here at the Grist Mill. And that's this week's show. Thanks so much for joining us. Please remember to enter your old-time radio remake show for this summer's Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. It is one of our favourite times of the year. Indeed it is. And you can contact us in a myriad of ways through the SonicSociety.org, Twitter, the Facebook groups, Audio Drama, Radio Drama Lovers, Sonic Society, and of course, our parent company, evicuna.com. So join us next week as we take a lazy drift down the Mystic River. Until then, I'm David Alt. And I'm Jack Ward. Good night. Good night. The Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Chauncey Haworth, Mark Slade, and Lothar Tuppen. The demented minds behind the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour bring you... Twisted Pulp Magazine. A journey beyond surreality to worlds you never knew or hoped existed. Worlds of the supernatural... Worlds of dark satire. Worlds of nightmarish futures. Twisted Pulp Magazine. If you thought the 21st century was weird enough already, think again. Twisted Pulp Magazine. A step beyond your grandfather's pulp. Available at digitalvaudeville.com. 
That's D-I-G-I-T-A-L-V-A-U-D-E-V-I-L-L-E.com. Music.